Hi, I'm Dan. Hi, I'm the tangy zip of Miracle Whip. (laughs) (laughs) That's not who I'm sitting across from. (laughs) And I'm Jenny, and I'm here to make dumb jokes. Hi, Jenny. On Rookie Movie Reviews. The movie review podcast for a couple of rookies. (laughs) <laughs> we're up to 70 followers ish on our instagram am i nice. lying that's influencer status it's mostly podcasts we're following back but dan do you know why we sound so nice this week i do know why we sound so nice do you know why we sound so nice it's because of g becker i think that's how you say it it's g-i-b-e K-E-R, my Reddit Santa got us a new mic for our podcast, and it's a pretty good behemoth of a thing. It's a Yeti. I'm going to flex a little, so I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, thank you very much for the incredibly thoughtful gift. Yeah. Phenomenal. Very. And for this, I kind of wish we had known I was getting this, because we called last week, season two, the beginning of... Oh, yeah, yeah. But with a new mic, is this not the true season two? We could start season three. (laughs) Season two could be one episode. Season two is a filler season. Yeah. It happens sometimes in productions. People just... We can also edit the seasons on rss.com to say that this is the true beginning of season two. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure. Dan, what are we drinking tonight? Oh, we're housing some LaCroix. Woo! Let's party over here. Hydration. Instead of the normal, I don't know. What do you say we drink most? Miller? We drink a lot of Miller, yeah. Yeah. Miller Miller Light, because we're health conscious. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, kicking off some New Year's resolution types by ordering a pizza. Yeah. And then mitigating that by not having alcohol on Monday night. Fantastic. Go us. <laughs> uh, though we we say that we drink mostly Miller, but we have been on a bit of a craft beer kick. Yeah, that's lately. true. We There's this brewery down here in Madison called Youngblood. And gosh golly, do they have some good brews. Yeah, they are very good. We've got, I'm not a fan of the naming style. Yeah, it makes it harder to remember. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the craziest one. The one that we really like is Accidental Man Bun. Yes. And that is the most simply named one that I can think of. They do have a sour-fruited ale. Ted Cruz is the Zodiac Killer. Oh, yeah. I I didn't see that one. That's not true. (laughs) (laughs) I believe it, though. It's very in line with their naming. Some weird names. (laughs) So, uh, what did we watch? We watched Princess Mononoke. And can you say that in Japanese? I assume Mononoke is a Japanese name, so I'm most of the way there. It is... Oh, Mononoke Hime. Oh, so Hime is princess? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you uh, like the princess jellyfish? Uh, that, was a good sh- that was a good show. It's Jellyfish he made, but Jellyfish is in Japanese for Jellyfish. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know about Princess. Uh, 
Um, this movie was released in 97. Yep. And, it, oh, what? We're probably going to give out the same facts. What facts? It was made by Hayao Miyazaki. Classic. Chef's Kiss of a Man. And the studio was Ghibli, or Ghibli. I... Ghibli is nicer. Ghibli. It's like GIF instead of Jeff. You know? How do you say it? Ghibli. Oh, okay. How do you say the the other one? Jeff. You pronounce it Jeff? No, I don't. No, don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what do we... Uh, did we tell everyone what we do on this podcast? Or did I just kind of head rush us in? No. Uh, well... We've been going for five minutes, so I'd say there's no head rush whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> going in. <laughs> We're kind of strolling in. We, uh, like. um, we got our scooters out, and we're instead of running around the track, we're on a scooter on the track, because the mile fun run is not fun, so we're going to scoot across it. Do scooters go a little faster than running? I bet I'd be faster on a scooter. I'm a pretty slow runner. Are, are you talking like Razor scooters or those things from gym class in elementary school that are the little plastic tabs Ooh. with four wheels I on? I was thinking of a Razor scooter. No. Uh, yeah. Those would go faster. Or at least be less energy. So you could go faster longer. <laughs> Technology. <laughs> <laughs> we played, I remember once, I have a very distinct memory uh, at my elementary school, mm-hmm. we played a game called Battleship. And how this game was played, we only did it once because I'm sure the gym teacher got in trouble. It was this game called Battleship, and it took place on those big pallets that you would push around, such as those at hardware stores, mm-hmm. just massive carts. And they were stacked high with um, folded up gym mats. And each team had one or two gunners who would sit on top of these folded up gym mats, which were on the carts. And then these carts and the people were really heavy, so everyone else on the team was in charge of pushing and steering. And you would push around the gym and throw dodgeballs at the other teams and the other gunners, and if you got hit, you uh, you were out and... <laughs> Uh, the more I think about that, the deadlier that <laughs> particular yeah. game sounds. You're not even an 80s kid, and they're just trying to yeet you off the platform. Because <laughs> there weren't really any rules. Like There were a couple instances of bumper cars, and I think the teacher put a stop to that. But, um, you know, someone falls off, gets squished, you're looking at broken ribs easily. Holy There's God. a lot of mass behind these things. Kids are malleable. <laughs> it's fine. They're flexible, squishy. I remember the parachutes. That was always a good day in gym class. Yeah, I enjoyed those as well. Yeah, I think it was Mr. Zaromsky. One time, instead of having math class, he took us all down to the gym and we played dodgeball instead. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, that's... Treats like that, even into high school. I wish something like that had happened in college. College was pretty (laughs) straightforward. (laughs) Just... No uh, Dead Poets Society yet. Yeah. <laughs> Your college, huh? No. Stevens Point was pretty chill. My professors never pulled anything zany either. I can't imagine going to college in 2020. No, thank you. That's probably hell. 
Yeah. Goddamn. But good thing they lowered tuition across the board. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there will be a weird case study in a couple of years when all of these kids graduate and they're applying for jobs and the jobs are like, were you, was this during the 2020 curriculum? You know, like, it's not, not as serious then? or I don't know. I mean, freshman year is pretty integral. Inter, integral. Am I saying it right? Important. Yeah. Freshman year is pretty <laughs> important for developing some social connections. Yeah. This is really brutal on that regard. Yeah. Like, dorm life. It's not for everyone. And I would never recommend it. <laughs> There's the end of the sentence. <laughs> What's um? Who wrote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Douglas Adams. Yeah, it's like that Douglas Adams quote of uh, life in the beginning. God created life. This has been widely regarded to be a terrible move. <laughs> That's a butchering of it, but. Anyway, we I watched Mononoke. Wanna, yeah, where, what year is it? Oh, it's 2020. It's Almost over, though. Yeah, we're just a few days out. And then on 2021, when the sun rises, that fateful dawn, the sun will burn so hot that coronavirus will just get cooked off. Yeah, the heat will make it go right away. Ah. <laughs> so lovely. So actually, part of the reason, I think everybody knows this now, but part of the reason, sorry, I covered my mouth, um, that some hotter countries have less of a problem, I think Singapore is an example, is because the population is not vitamin D deficient. So a lot of people blessed with melanin have a little bit of vitamin D deficiency, and then there's people like me who stay inside all the time, and I also have a vitamin D deficiency. <laughs> so I think that is part of it. I'm not a doctor. I'm also butchering how it works. You sounded many, many times more intelligent than our president. So. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, much, I should say much more because zero times anything is zero, and you're Ooh, not at zero. This yeah. is a political podcast. No. So, should we hop into this movie? Should we get the ball rolling? Talk, yes. Rush head, headlong into it. Uh, ten minutes in, we're rushing in. Who's counting? Who knows what this, <laughs> who knows what this day is? So, the, there are several periods of Japan, and I think what we most commonly get exposed to is the Edo period. But before that is the Muromachi period of Japan, which comes a little bit before Edo. It ends around the 15th century. There are more. There's just, you know, the only point I wanted to make about the Edo period, Edo, Edo period, is all the samurai. So things like Samurai Champloo and Inuyasha are set around the Edo period. So if you're a weeaboo, like I am, <laughs> you might say, hey, that's familiar. So this story takes place before, I think, before the Dutch get to Japan. You're well above my level of understanding so where, wherever you're taking this it is yours to take it alone i, I don't know any of this okay in older japan to set the scene <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you were to fly over there today you would not see no it, it wouldn't be look very different like, no 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 <laughs> <laughs> not modern japan <laughs> uh. 
So that's when you're going to start seeing some more modernization, which you see in Samurai Champloo. But we do see some of that here. A key conflict of this movie is the industrialization of Japan, which brings about rifles. So, of course, there are demons. I think this is a little bit of a mystic period, fantasy period. It's it's based in reality. Of um, yeah, it, it is a great setting. Ancient, ancient Japan. Yeah, and the musket appeared in Europe first in 1521. This must be the late Muromachi period then if there are muskets because that ends in 1573. I wonder when the Europeans got to Japan. Maybe Studio Ghibli is taking some creative license to come up with (laughs) their plot. (laughs) So the first Europeans to reach Japan was 1543. Okay. So we have to assume this is a little bit before the Azuchi Momoyama period. Starting in 1573. You will have to assume. And that's key because a lot of this is about the abandonment of nature and Japan. You hear a lot about individual spirits for everything. There are water spirits. There are tree spirits, fox spirits. Oh, they're talking about yokai. Yokai. This movie has yokai. And the first one we encounter is a boar who seems to be infected with rotting worms. It's just how a curse is being represented. And this boar charges into a village. And it is Ashitaka's village, and he is the prince of it. He's he's like a main leader guy. I was uh, sorry to interrupt, but I was actually pretty interested about this village because when I, I was rereading the synopsis on Wikipedia, and... It says it's, I think, the Mishu people, and they are a far um, eastern tribe mm-hmm. in Japan. Or not tribe, like whatever the proper term is. Maybe it's a tribe. Village. Village. Um, and they were, like, historically, they're, they're a real tribe, and they were cut off oh. from most of other Japan. And Ashitaka is the last prince of the Mishu. I don't know if Ashitaka is a real person. But in the movie, he's, he's, the, the last. he's the last guy. So he is he is the biggest boss. He is the highest guy uh, in the village. That's so interesting. I love it when we look a little bit deeper into stuff like this. Especially when you look on the surface, a lot of people will discount things because it's a cartoon. Yeah. But I think a lot, a lot of care, obviously, by Miyazaki comes into these stories. Yes. And I really appreciate that about all of his works. Uh, we already looked at Spirited Away on here. I Is Howl's Moving Castle on here? Uh, unfortunately, no. The only no other problem. one is Grave of Fireflies. Which is a, a Ghibli studio, but not a Miyazaki film. Yeah. Not looking forward to that one. No, that was one of those. Uh, Requiem for a Dream is also on this list. And both of those movies are ones that when I finished, I thought, well, I'm going to be happy never seeing those again. Yeah. And here we are. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just uh, Amishu and Ashitaka, those are, he's a, a real last prince and Amishus are real people. Uh, when he gets infected, he has to go to the West to find a cure. And I was always kind of confused, like, why can't they even watch him go? You know, why can't, that seems a little cold, but uh, apparently it is um, tied to their culture. You know, once you leave, you're outlawed. So, he kind of had to leave to go fulfill purpose with his life because he was going to die from this curse that he got from the boar anyhow. So 
it wasn't just a cold get out of here you sick weirdo you know <laughs> it was uh it was, uh, this really sucks but you can't ever come back so did we talk about how the boar got corrupted because i did the way i often do i start a sentence i start a second sentence maybe maybe i'll finish the first sentence but the boar nago is cursed by a iron ball which was a bullet lodged from a musket Mm -hmm. that is a clue that ashitaka has when he leaves his village about where he can look for more answers and how he might fix himself. As Ashitaka is traveling west, his cursed arm gives him super strength and he saves a bunch of people from getting attacked. And he decapitates a guy, he cuts off a guy's arms, but he saves a bunch of people. Murders two of these roaming samurai who I'm pretty sure are samurai in the armies of uh, Asamo, I think is his name. It's basically the unseen rival that Lady Eboshi has. Mm. Um, but I think so because they're wearing the same colors as the samurai army later in the movie. Okay. So I think Princess Samo's samurai bands are roving through the countryside, killing innocents. Ashitaka completely destroys them with a bow and arrow and continues on his way and runs into this quote-unquote priest guy. Mm-hmm. The priest guy and him have a conversation. And they they part ways after after a meal where the priest puts a little bug in his ear about um, Lady Eboshi, I believe. And the deer god. And the deer god, yeah, to, to cure his curse. So the deer god is also known as the Nightwalker, and he he is the ruler of the forest. They also imply a couple of times that he is the god, pretty much, and at least in terms of how monotheistic religions view the god because they say he creates life Uh and stuff like that. So this is not the monotheistic god because it's not about Christianity or whatever. But Well, there is different monotheism besides Christianity. Yeah, but just to use the the most well-known to me monotheistic. Fair, Fair enough. And it's not a pantheon either. There's not a bunch of deer. No, there's only the one deer. There's only the one deer guy. Yeah, this this uh, deer god, Nightwalker, is uh, the life creator. So Ashitaka thinks, ah, I can go to this this deer god and get my arm healed. You know, my curse lifted. He wants to bring the stone back to Defiti so that she'll restore the islands. Yes. That movie got snubbed from this list as well. Oh, that's a new stub? Yeah, that's, All right. that's high up. In any case, on his way to find the deer god, we see an attack on Lady Eboshi's caravan. Mm-hmm. It's the first time we meet Lady Eboshi and the Ironworks uh, employees. And they are beset upon by a wolf god, similar to how we saw a boar god earlier. Yes, the wolf Oof. goddess Moro. Moro, thank so you. It's a, it's a it's a lady god. Yes, uh, lady wolf god. Uh, lady wolf goddess. And they... Kind of crash through this convoy. Lady Wolf God Moro gets shot by a similar iron ball. And with them is the titular Princess Mononoke. But her name is San. San. Yeah. Uh, I guess Mononoke is like a legend name. Yeah, it's like supernatural. It's like a word for supernatural. Oh, okay. So So it'd be like fairy princess. Okay, that makes sense. So she's riding these wolves. Because she cannot run as fast as a wolf. 
Yes. Because she's a human girl. She is a human girl. And uh, after this fairly successful attack, barring the bullet that Moro took, these characters depart. Later on in the day, uh, we see Ashitaka continuing to search for the deer god, and he comes across two injured people from the supply train, from this wolf attack. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He helps them, and he carries them with his adorable pet uh, antelope. Jakul. Jakul, yeah. Who is uh, a great-looking character. Lots of merchandising options on this. I don't think there were any, <laughs> if I'm trying to recollect the movie. Yes. But, <laughs> or uh, uh, my childhood during the movie. That's true. So he saves these two Ironworks people and they say, bring us back to the Ironworks. He carries them through the forest of the Deer God and gets a glimpse of the Deer God. And what's important about this sequence is that we see Ashitaka is very respectful when they meet Kodama, which are those creepy little... Uh, skeleton white-faced things that are all over the promo images for this. Mm -hmm. They live in the forest. He's very respectful to those things. He moves through with great care, and you can tell, oh, Ashitaka is a good guy. He's really connected to his surroundings and has a lot of respect for the Earth. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the two people he saves are intensely fearful of this forest. It is their enemy, and they clearly are not necessarily bad guys, but don't have the same connection to where they come from and their their surroundings and all of that. So, classic example of man versus nature, man versus man, nature versus man going on. Yeah, all sorts of conflict. Good themes throughout this film. Great themes. Yeah, they get to the ironworks uh, after passing through the forest unscathed, and they find Lady Eboshi. They meet her. Well, Ashitaka meets her. The two guys are reunited with her and her clan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a pretty long stretch of the movie takes place here in the Ironworks. Yeah, so the Ironworks was made by clearing a patch out of the forest, which is part of the reason that the forest isn't jazzed about Lady Eboshi, and thus she thinks that the forest is her enemy, which is a little bit misguided. We also find out some conflicting things about Lady Eboshi. For example, she will by women that are slaves, and she will give them a job and keep them fed. And she also gives jobs to lepers. Leprosy is a big no thank you, I think, since the beginning of time. Yeah, they have a huge stigma and fear around them in pop culture, obviously. You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in this village is where they're manufacturing these guns. It's a new version of a musket that's a little bit lighter weight, and that's the kind of gun that cursed Nago. And she also, uh, she being a boshi, also explains to Ashitaka about San, who was raised by wolves, and how she hates humans. So, she hates humans, humans attack the forest, forest is the enemy, San is their enemy. That's where the conflict comes in there. And this makes me... I want to bring up one thing that are so so good about uh, Miyazaki movies and Ghibli movies. Yes. Is that the villain is never just dastardly, except for um, Castle in the Sky. <laughs> that guy's just dastardly. But the villain here is Eboshi, and she's 
destroying the forest and um, obviously causing strife for personal gain. Mm -hmm. But she's also uh, protecting um, people who are taken advantage of or not given opportunity and lifting them up with her resources and everything. So there's a lot of sides to the coin and there's a lot of ways to look at the villain here. Same as you would find in Spirited Away or Howl's Moving Castle. The, the villains are always complex, and I think Eboshi is a great example of that. The real enemy is capitalism. Yes, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so, later on, San comes to town to try and kill Eboshi, but Ashitaka stops her, and he reveals how fucked up he is with his curse. And he beats the shit out of both San and Eboshi. At the same time. Just yeah. conks him in the belly with the hilt of a sword and they are unconscious. He also bends a guy's sword into a U-shape. Fun fact about that guy. Yeah. Voiced by Bender in the dubbed version. DiMaggio? John DiMaggio? Oh, by the way, we watched this with subs, which is the superior way to experience Japanese media. Yeah. Uh, just... One instance of words not syncing up with the character's mouth. And obviously with animation there's more leeway, but that'll just ruin the whole movie for me. Uh, or the show or whatever you're watching. So subtitles with original audio, only way to do it. We're This is controversial, but we'll watch movies with captions on anyway. Mm -hmm. I like captions. Me too. I have trouble hearing sometimes. Me too. And every now and then you'll also get a movie with horrible sound mixing. Oh god, like Constantine. Like Constantine. <laughs> so the gunfire and action is deafening. And then you turn it down, you get to a dialogue section, can't hear shit. Subtitle solves all of it. You mm -hmm. just won't hear any dialogue. <laughs> Subnatums. <So> <-dubs. laughs> As Ashitaka leaves the village with sand, he gets shot accidentally by a villager... And he just keeps on going. So cool, guys. Don't look at explosions. Cool princes can get shot in the torso and still keep going. <laughs> now, coming up next, I think, is your favorite scene of the movie. Would you like to take it over? I think we both have uh, high <laughs> opinions of this scene. Because the first time we saw this movie, we watched it in the dub version. Um, but they exit the town, and Ashitaka, who has been carrying San this whole time... Um, collapses from his wounds. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, he's cursed, but he's got a bullet hole the size of a fist straight through his body. A small fist. A small fist. But a fist nonetheless. Yeah, any amount of holes through me, except from my mouth to my butthole. Is... <laughs> that's my favorite hole. <laughs> that's, that's the best hole sequence. That is the Dan Express. <laughs> um, so he falls over, uh, dying from a gunshot. <laughs> and... The sequence of events here, it, it cracks me up every time, and I don't think it's supposed to, but what the hell, it is so funny. Uh, the wolves that <laughs> protect and care for uh, Princess Mononoke come to retrieve her, and Ashitaka's lying there dead on the ground, and a wolf just runs up and grabs his head and starts death shaking him like arr, arr. <laughs> and I always kind of equate it to the scene in Fantastic Mr. Fox where he eats breakfast uh, and all of a sudden it goes from calm to just eating the waffles <laughs> that's what this looks like and it's so sudden and jarring and cracks me up 
And then you cut to Mononoke, who is trying to stay on top of Yakul, the <laughs> steed of Ashitaka, and it's just kicking for its life to get her off. <laughs> and it's desperately shaking back and forth. And I think that this is one instance of bad animation in this movie, because to make it look like it's desperately kicking, it pretty much looks like a cutout just going back and forth between frames really rapidly. So that is another hilarious thing. And then we get to see the corrupted apes that lived in the forest that was cut down, and they're just like lazily tossing sticks and rocks at these people. As Ashitaka is still laying there dead. And they are saying, Go. Go. Leave the human. And they've got these super deep voices. And in the English dub version, they sound very silly. And uh, they're just throwing clattering sticks and rocks. So these back-to-back-to-back events just are are nuts. Uh, Ultimately, they agree to bring Ashitaka to the deer god. Um, Princess Mononoke convinces Moro and her wolf brothers to not eat him. And they also will not eat Yakul, because they do ask if they can eat that deer thing. Bring him into the forest, lay him in a pond. Magic pond. A magic pond that is seems to be the, kind of the pad of the deer god. And the deer god comes to uh, Ashitaka and... Puts his mouth to his bullet hole and cures him. Uh, saves his life. At which point Mononoke says, Okay, you must be cool if the deer god is going to save you. Uh, we can work together. The deer god does not lift Ashitaka's curse. Whether he doesn't want to or can't is unclear. Um, Deers are dicks, so I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if you just didn't want <laughs> Asshole deer animals. If you live in Wisconsin... You know deer suck. Yeah. They'll run in front of your car. I don't give a shit. They have no sense of self-preservation. The only reason the deer god made it this far is because cars weren't invented yet. <laughs> yeah. He would have been walking around. Oh, also should note the deer god has a very funny face. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a human um, marsupial-like face. And he's got this small little mouth that's always smiling and weird cat eye things. Uh, so he's very off-putting to look at. But um, what what occurs after that, or one small detail of that sequence that I really liked, was Mononoke sets his steed Yakul free. Mm-hmm. Says, you're free to go. Do whatever you want. And Yakul hangs out for however long, waiting for Ashitaka to come back. So it's a very nice little nod to a good pet bond, you know? Really yeah. Unbreakable. We also, Sam can talk to deer and Yakul... Sashitaka's a pretty cool guy. Yes. <laughs> so it's the deer god and that deer deer. D E A R. I wonder if there's a. Like the sequence is the deer god heals him and then Yakul's like, oh, Sam, Ashitaka's pretty cool. And she's like, yeah, Yakul, I'm aware the deer <laughs> god healed him. You know, do you think your deer opinion is better than the deer god's? <laughs> snooty red uh, antelopes. Right? Is it an antelope? I keep calling it an antelope. It's like a, some sort of mountain goat Elk? horse thing. Hmm. What are those mountains? Ibexes, which have the giant horns. It's like a red ibex. 
Red Elk, according to the Ghibli wiki. Okay, so after he has his life spared by the deer god, we are introduced to the Boar Clan, led by a big old blind boar. And he wants to attack the humans and save the forest. What's up? Just checking if it's still running. Okay. He wants to attack the humans and save the forest. Meanwhile, Aboshi, back in the Ironworks town, is preparing for battle. Because if she kills the... If she kills the forest god and it brings its head to the emperor, he's going to protect her from that lord that's attacking her. Was it Asano? Yeah, Lord okay. Asano. Because, according to legend, his head will grant immortality. So, of course, the emperor wants to live forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, infinite, infinite reign, you know, all that sort of stuff. Makes sense. It's good to be king. Yeah. Ashitaka has recovered from his bullet hole, but he's still got the godly gook on his arm and it's getting worse. <laughs> and he goes back to the Iron Town... And finds out that they're under attack, or about to be under attack, and he goes to warn Lady Eboshi because he's a pretty stand-up dude. Mm-hmm. He's a prince, after all. He is aware of these conflicts between warmongers, warlords, warlords. Warmongers is a better term. I. <sighs> yeah, I guess. Okay. Anyway. Aboshi's going to be under attack. Ashitaka wants to warn them. Meanwhile, the Boar Clan gets fucked up. They get murk-dirked by the humans. And the big blind boar, Akoto, Ak- yeah, Akoto, I think, is pretty janked. Yeah, he's seeping blood... Uh, going to find the deer god to, cont- to to get healed, or he thinks the deer god will resurrect his boars to continue the fight. Yes, because yeah. the men have all, they're wearing the boar skins, which is pretty excellent pelt craftsmanship, because yeah. those skins look empty. Yeah, and it is very <laughs> creepy, these things. Like, yeah. They move silently, and the sound design in this particular sequence where the dead boar's skins are following the boar god. Just so ominous because there's, from what I recall, no music, and they're not making pig squealing noises like you got earlier. It's just these husks with black eyes um, whispering through the grass. You know, it's, it's really creepy and off-putting, and you know doom is impending. Mm-hmm. Uh, really great sequence. San recognizes that they're humans and tries to stop Okoto, but... He starts getting turned into a, a demon thing, and she can't... She she gets overwhelmed. Then her mom comes. The wolf god. The wolf god. Yeah, San's mom. San's mom wolf. and Ashitaka come, and they save San. But the forest spirit, when Akoto and Moro get there, kills them. He doesn't save them, he kills them. Which is crazy. But he must have some divine knowledge. Yeah, maybe it's they were both corrupted and he thought, fuck this, or, you know, something like that. Not in my forest. Not not in this house. 
No, no, no. All I want is corn and no corruption. (laughs) And to turn into the night sky every now and then. Which he begins to do when Lady Iboshi, you know, shoots him. Shoots him in the damn head. She, She knocks the head off. Explodes his neck from his body while he's transforming into an astral being. And this was... I don't get it. I mean, I get it, but I don't like soft magic rules that much. Where, you yeah. know, he they're gods and they're immortal, but if you shoot them, they'll be like actively injured and hindered. And then the deer god gets shot clean through the neck before transforming, and it does not phase him at all. And then while he's transforming, it decapitates him and causes what could end up being the end of the world, pretty much. Because he turns into, it seems like the same cursed corruption. It kills everything it touches, mm-hmm. trees, men, and it's spreading. And then the priest guy from earlier gets the head. It was voiced by Billy Bob Thornton in the English dub. <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> That's a great fact. And then everything starts dying, the forest, the little Kodama spirits, and Moro's head doesn't die. It comes back to life, and it bites the shit out of Aboshi's right arm and just takes that off. But Aboshi, you know, she's a champ. <laughs> Not very She phased. doesn't diet. <laughs> she, she doesn't die. <laughs> she probably diets. She looks nice. Just by virtue of living in a, you know, not a time of plenty. I imagine it was very hard living to run an ironworks and convoys through wolf god infested lands. So. <laughs> so while the ooze is going throughout everywhere, it starts to reach the town, and the iron people go into the middle of the lake to kind of avoid the ooze, and the samurai leave because they did not sign up for this bullshit. <laughs> Ashitaka and San chase the priest to try to get the head back and give it back to the spirit, and gee. What's his... Jigo? Jigo's like, fine, fine, take it. But it's gross now. And it comes out... (laughs) And it comes out in a green ooze. Possibly better ooze. (laughs) (laughs) And San and Ashitaka reach in. And we see her get a little corrupted from it. But the Nightwalker takes its head back. And explodes all over, and everything comes back to life like the end of Ferngully. And then the very finale is basically, we see that this act lifted the curse of Ashitaka. And he says he'll live at the Ironworks to help them develop responsible infrastructure at their Ironworks. (laughs) Monoke goes to live back in the forest, even though... It's pretty clear the time of that is coming to an end, you know. The forest gods are pretty much no more, is what we witnessed throughout the course of the movie. And then Lady Eboshi, captain of industry, says, hmm, I've learned my lesson. I'm going to I'm going to be better about my ironworks and still provide. <sighs> so. And we see the Kodama come back. So it's like a happy ending all over. Though the forest spirit is dead for good. It's, yeah. Like, it took its head back and got the hell out, you know. Take the green, I'm going. 
take take the life back. Um, so it, the the ending is good, I suppose. Um, yeah. Little sudden. Little sudden. Little simple. Abrupt. Well, I guess it's not too simple because it's got some high concept shit going on. But yeah. It's also simple in terms of what's been going on in the movie up to this point. I'll say. Yeah. Well, we don't see the reformation of the Ironworks town. No. No, we don't. It's just the characters saying, we're going to be better. We'll do it right. And who will Ashitaka take as a wife? <laughs> Princess Mononoke too. <laughs> Less exciting. Uh, Sneaking out into the forest for kisses. <laughs> Ooh, Mononoke. How'd you like the movie? What, what'd you yeah, like about it? I liked it. Favorite things? I liked the... Um, part where it began but the part where it ended made me a little sad (laughs) i like the whole thing it's really good uh i was just watching beauty and the beast and anastasia not super long ago because we have disney plus and anastasia is now on disney plus and if you go to our instagram rookie movie reviews you'll see an original meme by me (laughs) (laughs) i'll have to check that out after we're done recording um the animation of those though um Damn near subpar. Pretty subpar. Uh, compared to this, it's so consistent and it looks so nice and it's so gorgeous. Yeah. Miyazaki movies are gorgeous. Yeah, I know it's a dead horse, but truly, Ghibli turns out incredible stuff. And yeah. the effects that stand out so much to me on this are the corruption. Like, it, it starts right away. It says, look at what this is going to be yeah. when you see the corrupted Borgod Nago. It's covered in these worms, and they're all independently animated, and it's so complex, and the whole movie keeps that up. Yeah. You know, it's it's bananas. Now that I'm thinking about it, this isn't a knock or anything. Sure, go ahead. But there are scenes of decapitation, arms being ripped off, mm. not even cut off, because when he's attacking the samurai early on in the movie, and he shoots an arrow, it shows it hit the hilt of the sword... And it pulls with such force that the guy's hanging onto the sword, it rips his arms off. So not like a clean cut. Where? Like right at the elbows. So, okay. I think your arm would come off at the shoulder first. Oh, I agree. So that's so fictitionalized. Fictitional. Fictitional? Fictional. Well, what gives me beef (laughs) is that we see these animals bleeding Mm -hmm. the most horrific, goopy ooze blood. And then a guy gets his arms ripped off, and they're like clean cut, like a little, like a little cartoon steak. I no blood. Have a suspicion mm-hmm. that there probably was blood in the Japanese, pure Japanese version, and that was a censorship for an American audience. I believe that. I have no backup. I have no evidence for this. But it's a claim, and it's, I would yeah. agree with it. So yeah. maybe, pretty gory movie. Yeah, it's definitely one of the more violent Ghibli movies that I can think of. Because, you know, movies are dark. Spirited Away is dark. Mm -hmm. It's about indentured servitude, for fuck's sake. But there's not outright slaughter. (laughs) There's blood and stuff, but no murder. Can't spell slaughter without laughter. One thing that I was... One comparison I was pleased with... um, between these movies is that Howl's Moving Castle is about war 
and Mononoke is about the like battles on the ground. Yeah. So they're both violence centric, but uh, different scales. Different. Yeah, I'd agree. Nice. I like that observation. Thank you. What is your favorite thing about the movie? It just uh, animation and the characters are all super well rounded. I think you get to see all these interesting side characters and characters like Boshi. Obviously, very complex. San has a lot going on. She's more one note than a Boshi, but I think if you look at Ashitaka, he's probably the weakest character just because he's 100%. I'm going to be nice to everybody I meet. And even though they're bad people, I'm. I, it's my duty as a prince to protect them and warn them. So I'm going to go do that. And it never really gets him in hot water with anyone, which is probably a good message, but not a very exciting. Nor uh, accurate. Nor accurate character thing. Like, he should. He would realistically probably end up on the bad side of Iboshi and Mononoke, and they both hate him because he's friendly with their dire enemy. So I, I guess that would be a knock if I could think of one. Just Ashitaka as a main character is not the most complex. No. No no real hero's journey. Just plain hero. Yeah, he's definitely an observer. Mm-hmm. You know, or like just the vehicle. Like how can we see this crazy shit going on between Ironworks, Gods of the Forest, and San, you know, all clash. It's like, oh, Someone literally travels from outside the realm to, you know, <laughs> a be a total Sue. stranger. Yeah. He's got super demon strength, so he's never in danger, so our narrator won't die. And we have to find someone else partway through the movie. Can you think of any other detriments? I'm sure there are more, um, but... So, we just watched Soul this weekend... And we both agreed that's not really a kid's movie because it was so simplistic. And for a similar reason, I would say Princess Mononoke. I'm sorry. It wasn't a kid's movie because the themes were very adult. It was talking about existentialism. Existentialism. Help. Existentialism. Okay. Existentialism. Existentialism. Yes. Okay. It was talking about those kinds of themes, but it was still pretty simplistic. And Princess Mononoke is also pretty simplistic, and it has some deeper themes. And I think I would also call it not a kid's movie. But if it's not for kids, who's it for? It's for me. Yummy, yummy. <laughs> Give me that movie. Yeah. I guess it's it'd be the perfect movie for someone to like discover on their own like when they are old enough to find their own media and you know violence isn't terrifying anymore and like those simpler themes can still resonate with you but you're you can not fully understand the more complex stuff but start to reckon with it i guess so yeah it it's for uh it's for yeah, it's everybody can appreciate it. It's a good movie, but yeah, I bet it would be real potent at a very specific time. Yeah. Uh, you want to rate it? Sure. On three, 
for one, real two, this three, time. Eight. Oh, okay. Wow, I wasn't ready. Don't go that fast. Okay. One, two, three, nine. Eight. Eight and a half? That sounds good to me. Perfect. Cool. Eight and a half. Well, not perfect. Because... One and a half off of perfect. We need to talk about how Spider-Verse will revise that. Yeah, that's a ten. We have to issue a PSA. Probably on our Instagram. For all our Instagram followers. Yes. You can also follow us on Twitter at rmr underscore podcast. And you can find us on Facebook at Rookie Movie Reviews. You can also visit us on the web at https colon forward slash forward slash www.rookiemoviereviews.com Any trailing information? Oh, you can direct them to oh, a yeah. specific Front page. Oh, yeah, home.php. Perfect. Thank you for including that. Yeah. Rookiemoviereviews.com <laughs> if, you, if you got lost in the bit. <laughs> <laughs> I paid for an SSL certificate. They're going to know where HTTP is. You're not going to get any viruses on our site. Except for the, the love bug. Because you're going to love our podcast. And the itch to watch some movies. <laughs> and you'll get the clap because we both have clips. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> do 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 do.